Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on iTunes. Uh, download it. Give us a review. Everything else. It all helps. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the nice uh, comments on Twitter. At Pulp, uh, at Pulp Hockey is the uh, Twitter handle. And uh, let's get right into it. Uh, coming in from France. Paris, France, to be specific. He's a former NHL player. 18 years in the, in the game. He's each and every week on the show making us smarter about the game of hockey. He is Ray Ferrara. What's up, Ray? How are you? Uh, I'm good. As we're taping this, it's, uh, what time is it here? Oh, I don't know, about 10.30. I've been back from dinner, as you know, from being over here uh, a lot. Nobody eats at 6 o'clock. No. No, like, they do not. Like, good luck getting something to eat at 6 o'clock, right? Like, yep. We we went out for dinner, and um, it's, I mean, it's such a, you know, Europe is such a cool place to be, and in Europe or in Paris, of course, is famous for its food. So we're walking down the street. We don't even have anywhere where we're really trying to head. Mm-hmm. You know where yeah. we can eat. Right. You just kind of walk down. You're like, that place looks good. Yeah. And I I just did a radio interview in Vancouver, and they said, "What's been your best meal?" And I said, "The last one," <laughs> because that was I think better than the one before. It's been <laughs> been awesome. It's a yeah. It's a, Beautiful place. I've never been, so this has been this has been great. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool city. I've been there probably a dozen times for for racing over the years, uh, and it it is it, you know, like you said, you just always discover new places every time you go. It's it's a real cool city. Did now, I sent you an email when you I saw you were at the arena that we go to all the every year except for the last two, but I went there for about ten years straight. Uh, the, uh, the the arena, the Omni Sports Palace mm-hmm. with the grass on the sides. Um, yeah, it's it, it's been renamed. It's um, okay. um, it's got a new sponsor, but yeah, it's yeah, yeah, grass up the side of the arena. <laughs> How cool is that, right? Well, what? So first day we see that there's a guy cutting the lawn, mm-hmm. which literally is on the side of the rink, and so he's got this rope on one of those fly mows, a fly mower, <laughs> and he's cutting the grass. Yeah. Well, then the second day we realize the thing's on it's on a pulley. Yeah. It's really cool that mm-hmm. the guy just stands there, yeah, and the mower does its thing and goes down, and then he reverses it and it comes back up. And it was way more impressive when I thought he was doing it. <laughs> the after the races uh, with some drinks in them, fans try to scale that wall and see how far they can get up, and that's always a good time well, to watch that. I would say right now, Steve, they're not getting very far. You can't go, you can't go twenty feet without seeing um, like a heavy police presence. Oh, really? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and this past weekend was the national election. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And, um, you know, so everybody was a little bit on edge, and they do it. I, I thought it was pretty cool. We were, in a, we were in a lounge, and the election results are announced at 8 p.m., mm-hmm. and so I thought they were going to do, you know, have kind of like a dog and pony show like we've got in our country or the United States when... Um, you know, they go district to district and, you know, they show, okay, this is what this state voted or this province voted. They literally had a countdown on the screen from 15 to zero. When it had zero, they put up the the new prime minister's picture. <laughs> like, so a, uh, is, like a beauty pageant or something. <laughs> it, it is. Like everybody's sitting there staring at the TV and they're like, oh, you know, you could, you could feel the buzz. Mm-hmm. It, you know, because it was, um, it was very much... It was very much similar, I guess, to the U.S. There was a, a chunk of the population, a big chunk, that was worried that somebody with a a real right-wing agenda was going to get in. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get in. And so people like, well, the people we, that were sitting around where we were were all very happy. The waiters broke out some champagne. And, Jeez. you know, they, it was like, wow, we're sitting kind of in a really big deal. We're just here 
for a hockey tournament and yeah. the election's on. And then the next day is, um, as it turns out, is a national holiday. That's when they celebrate the end of uh, Europe's participation in, in World War II. And it's, uh, it was pretty, pretty impressive to, to see, you know, see the, uh, it's not a celebration, see yeah. the remembrance of, of the end of World War II. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you hit up that Starbucks I told you about? It wasn't far from that arena. Uh, we've not been to that one. Uh, okay. We found one over by the Eiffel Tower, which yeah. we're walking with Darren Drager. And so you got, you know, two knuckleheads, one's from Saskatchewan, one's from <laughs> the interior of BC. We don't know where the hell we're going. We're like, well, we're just headed to that pointy thing over there. Yep. And so you're you're walking along. What I couldn't believe, I thought it was going to be in this gigantic park. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's really not. Yeah. It's like it's in the neighborhood. Yeah, kind of, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so we're walking down, and I, I am having a little trouble walking past the pastry shops. <laughs> me too. Believe me, the bear and, claws are, are to die for. <laughs> oh, man. So Drager took a picture. He said, I had to get you away from that pastry shop. Your lips were stuck to the to the glass. <laughs> and, I, and so I go in there, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm going to try one of these, and then I'll have this yeah. chocolate croissant. And the guy behind the counter goes, I'll give you two. We are not so proud of our croissants today. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking to myself, I don't really care what they look like. I'll eat two of them, sure. When's the last time that <laughs> happened at Timmy Horton's, huh? Hey, have another oh, one. You're have not, a free one. You're, they're not so proud of their, of their <laughs> product. I don't. Yeah. Uh, these guys weren't happy with it. And so yeah. just what I needed, another, um, fr- another croissant. Yeah, no, believe me, I know. I hear you. Terrific Italian food in uh, Paris, too, which I know is weird, but... I almost like the Italian food in Paris better than I do in Italy. Uh, just, I just, I've had some great meals there. It's been fantastic. You're right. Well, we, I, I got to be careful. You know, if I eat too much of the sauces, that doesn't work for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think tomorrow's probably got tomorrow's got Italian written all over it. And then on Friday of this week, um, I'm actually I've got an off day and I'm flying to Milan. Mm-hmm. Um, my ten year old is Riley is. In a, he's on a soccer trip. They're training in England and in, and in Italy for the yeah. for last week and this week. So I'm going over to watch him play, which is oh. so cool. And he's they're having a great time. They're you know they're a bunch of ten and eleven year old kids. They're stuffing their faces and <laughs> playing soccer against guys that are gigantic. And it's been a great learning experience for them. So I'm sure I'll find. Uh, I'm sure they have Italian food in Italy, don't they? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay, good. Um, so I'll give that a try there, too. Did you – any plans to hit the catacombs in Paris? Have you heard about it? Have you seen it? Or has anybody told no, you about it? No, I don't it? know. Tell me. Oh, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. I'm not exactly sure what it was. At some point in modernizing Paris, they discovered these uh, remains of uh, uh, soldiers or, or, or citizens or something of Paris um, underneath the, you know, the city subway line, somewhere down in there, and they've turned it into this – into this um, a, a tourist attraction, and there it's a uh, it's really dark, dank. It's it's lit, not lit that well underneath the city of Paris, and there's just uh, dead bodies in the, the mud and the dirt and everything else, and they kind of take you through this little thing. It's it's amazing. I you know, know it sounds creepy, it's but amazing it's, to think. You know, you know, we think our country's old. Oh, right. right. Like, you know, yeah. And our country's just you know, they're just babies. Yeah. Compared to you know, com- compared to what's what's here, it's really. Some of the stuff we've seen is just incredible. And, and it, to that uh, point, like today, uh, Gord Miller and I went, drove about two, hour, two and a half hours and went to see the beaches at Normandy, mm-hmm. um, where D-Day happened. And, I mean, whatever you think you know from reading a book, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a history nut. Yeah. Um, I was blown away. Couldn't believe how emotional it is to stand on the beaches there. And then to look down and see what these kids basically mm-hmm. had to try and do. Like, I couldn't believe, Steve, how steep it was. Right. Like, from the beach to the, you know, to the top. Yeah, I forgot How that. uneven it is. And you look at the, like, the Germans had their, everything was cemented in. Like, they were, yeah, you know. Like they were, they were, they were walking into something they knew wasn't great odds. Yeah, but I couldn't believe what they had to do, like what what they had to try and accomplish. And then you'll go to the cemetery at Omaha Beach, and yeah, I mean, there's there's literally nine thousand crosses there. It's it w- it was 
it was one of the greatest things that I've seen. I'm I, I'm, I mean, just to I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I'm oh. glad you said that because I'm not a military guy. Nobody in my family has been in the military. I'm not one of these flag-waving guys either for Canada or for the U.S. I'm just, just not whatever. I'm just not that kind of guy. Um, and going there was something I will never forget. It was very sobering. I, I went to the memorial. You did the walkthrough, right, of the memorial, and you read about yes. these people's oh stories and everything. And, and so you read these stories of these people and these kids and where they came from and how they signed up and when they perished and, and, and everything else and how, how they made it after, if they made it out or whatever. And, and then, like you said, you go to that one cliff, and I forget the name of it. Both of us are, are, are fading on that. But the cliff that, the, that they had to scale, um, and you see that, yeah, you go underneath the German things. It's, it's phenomenal. It, oh, it, it's uh, just, you, are you talking about Point du Hoc? Yeah, Point du Hoc, yeah. You yeah. go over oh there, and you're just so like, They were literally climbing up a 90-foot rock face. Yeah. And when we got there, I think, I want to say, like, it's unbelievable as Omaha Beach was, mm-hmm. Point du Hoc yeah. was staggering to me because they, you know, a lot of the uh, infrastructure for the Germans is, is there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can see, sure. <laughs> as you know, like the, the concrete gun turrets and the bunkers. And so they're climbing up this cliff, 335 of them, 90 made it. And they're climbing up and there's three feet of barbed wire at the top of this cliff that they somehow had to navigate. And when they got to the cliff, there was like the, um, the turntable to, so that in the, um, in the bunker that the Germans could wheel from side to side. And you're like, how did anybody make it? <laughs> right, exactly. Like it, it just, yeah. I, I, oh, it's... I can't, I can't even, I can't even imagine what those guys were doing, thinking. And of course, we're there. It's a really quiet. It's really quiet. Yep, yep. Um, beautiful day. It was nice and sunny. And when they got there, it was brutal. It, the yep. weather was bad. The, you know, everything was um, was late. They were off timed, so the the element of surprise was gone. Yeah, they kind of screwed and it then, up. Yep, yep. Well, I, I do think there's the other thing. You know, we were talking about today is we probably have a lot of us in our mind that you know everything's done with precision and. You know, mm-hmm. lots went wrong. Yeah, more went wrong than went right. Mm-hmm. And and you're there. And so I actually I I called my wife, and you know she's in Italy. Yep. And Gord was saying, just think of that. You just called your wife in Italy, and these guys couldn't call five miles down the beach. <laughs> exactly. Nope. And, you're and right. so yep. at, at at Omaha, or rather at um um. At Point du Hoc, yeah. they thought that when they got through, that there was, you know, the reinforcements from Omaha were going to be there. Mm-hmm. Except if they, if the reinforcements hadn't heard by 7 a.m. that they made it through, they were going to divert and go to Omaha, which is what happened. So these these guys got through. There was supposed to be reinforcements. There was nobody there because mm-hmm. they couldn't communicate. Yeah. And so just think, you get through, you're like, oh, my God, at least there's going to be help here. <laughs> yeah. And there's nobody there. And the the hedges here are 12 feet high. Yep. And so now it's not like you can just, oh, let's walk around the edge of the hedge. What if there's a bunch of Germans waiting there? Yep. Like, I, I just, Steve, the whole thing just totally, uh, I could totally in my brain imagine mm-hmm. The chaos and the you know and so now my summer project is as soon as the season's over um, I will be I'll spend a lot of my free reading time which I like to do in mm-hmm. the summers read and catch up on things that aren't sports but I'll be reading yeah. about D Day and just so I can learn more about what I just saw yeah it was uh, like I said I'm not a military guy and all that and when I got and I'm like okay yeah let's go to Normandy like whatever you know and I got there and I'm just, right and I, and I First, we went through the memorial thing before we looked. Before we went to Omaha, before we went to Point du Hoc, went to the memorial thing first, and, and then I just started reading and reading. I'm a big reader, and I just was like, "Holy smokes!" Like I knew all about it, but then you put faces to these people and you hear their stories and brothers and sisters and, and everything else. You know. Well, what about when you read the crosses? Twenty three. Yep. Twenty two. Yep. Twenty four. Twenty three. And you're like, oh. like yep. they were just kids. Yeah. Now. 
I was it, it was it was amazing. I was with a bunch of Americans, and I'm like, "Hey guys, Juno is further up the road. Anyone want to go?" <laughs> I didn't get any support, so we left. Did you Did you make it? To, they they weren't. Know? They They weren't so much. Uh, no, weren't, weren't so much. And no, I'm like, listen, Don Cherry says we got to go to Juno. It's right down. It's right up the road here. Let's go. Let's check it out. And everyone was like, "Nah, that's yeah." All right. No, the the place <laughs> we went to is uh, Benny Sumer. Yep. which is where where the Canadians were in great numbers, and uh, there was a cemetery there. And yeah. um, the the people of the town, as a gift to Canada, they maintain it. They maintain the yeah. cemetery, and it's yeah. it's really uh, understated. And um, uh, I don't know. It's funny to say it's same with the Omaha Cemetery. It's funny to say or odd to say it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But it is mm-hmm. like it shouldn't be bigger or it shouldn't be more glitzy. It should. I don't know. It's just I thought it was just a beautiful remembrance for yeah. what was a, an unbelievable time. We we can't even we can't even no, understand, even though I'm I'm sitting there and I'm saying I understand. But who am I kidding? I don't understand. Yep. No, I recommend it to anybody who's listening if they want to go there. And it's. It's worth the yeah, trip, isn't it? It is. Oh yeah. You know, I'm so like, glad I went. I'm so glad I went. Um I've been there a bunch. I've been to Paris a bunch, been to France and around these racetracks, never made it, never made it. Always had weather was crappy. And because um, I kinda was like, okay, whatever, I know what it is. and I'm so glad I got a chance to go. And like I said, it just was so awakening. I've I have photos in my phone, I'll never delete them. You know what I mean? I just I just yeah. it's 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 incredible to think about everything that went down. Um all right, let's move on to hockey. Or anything else? Yeah, let's get let's get there. Okay. All right. So Caps Pens game 7 tomorrow night, Oilers Ducks game 7 tomorrow night, Sens Rangers tonight game 6. Your Pens in 5 was looking good and props to the Caps uh for rallying. Uh Ovi's on the third line. Um and I quite I've watched one of the two ga- one of the last two games. I missed the other one. I was at the race covering it, but I mean all this Caps team, they look they look different, man. They look like I just expected them to kind of fold over, and and good for them. They're going to seven. Yeah, you know it's it's funny how you know a series can turn right, mm-hmm. and Crosby gets hurt in game four, and now all of a sudden, you know maybe the invincibility of the or what the Penguins felt about themselves isn't the same anymore. Mm-hmm. And the Caps kick it up a gear because in Game Five, Barry Trotz says, "Okay, Ovechkin's going to the third line. I'm moving Burakovsky up." Mm-hmm. Now Burakovsky, um, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know, but or you know, because there's so many guys, and how would you know about everybody? But he's a first round pick, and he's a really good player. But he's kind of inched his way along in his career. This year, he had a really good year, and then he broke his wrist. Their line, their third line was Lars Eller and Brett Connolly. And it those guys were dynamic throughout the regular season. Then when Burakovsky broke his wrist, the line predictably fell apart. He's the best player on that line. And then he came back and he wasn't really quite the same and he was just okay in the uh in the series against Toronto until game six and he scored a couple of goals when they including the overtime winner when they eliminated the lease. And so now he moves up to that line. They win a couple of games. Ovi gets a goal. Now he's now Ovechkin is playing against third line players for the most part. Mm-hmm. Maybe you catch him in a matchup that is very advantageous to Washington. And eventually, I would say injuries probably catch up to Pittsburgh here. I thought when they were rolling, they were going to just push Washington out of the series. Mm-hmm. But the one thing, Steve, if we go back to last week's show and I talked about um, the the key for the Caps is they have to quarter the ice. Yep. They have to play in one quarter of the ice. And Pittsburgh was able for the first couple of games of the year to spread the Capitals out side to side and then spread them out up and down the ice. And once the Capitals, I, I, however they did it, you know, however they were able to contain Pittsburgh, the game's now being played in chunks of the ice, not all over the ice. And Washington is a tough team to match up with when they can do that. And I think they're going to win Game Seven. You do, I, huh? Yeah, I do. I I just something smells like it's Washington's time now. And um, the best part about 
you know, jumping on and off a bandwagon is if you don't break your ankle, then you can be back on the bandwagon. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I picked Washington to the Stanley Cup at the start of the year. I picked them at the start of the playoffs. And then I was appalled with the way that they played against Toronto and, and early against Pittsburgh. But I think if, if, they, if they win game seven, I, I don't think anybody's going to beat them. Yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll get over that hump. They'll be confident. They'll be they'll be you know having momentum and everything else. And hey, Ovi on the third line, I get it. Uh, that's a nice media ring. He's still got 17 minutes of ice time with the power plays and everything else. You know, still, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's you know what, Steve? There's there's something you just kind of skimmed over, but it's really important, and that's that. It's it's not where we perceive first, second, third, fourth line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, you could be on the first line and get 12 minutes. Right. Or you can be, as you said, like Ovechkin, you know, get 17 minutes and he's going to get his power play time. And if they're chasing the game a bit, he's going to get more ice time. Yep. You know, and, and maybe if they're defending the lead, he's going to get 15 minutes. But really, does it even matter? What matters is you find a way to win. You, you know, you give your team the best chance to win. And that's, that's all Barry Trotz is worried about. He doesn't care right. what line the media thinks he's on. And I feel like a little bit of Flurry's play has slipped, a little bit, not quite as good as I've seen him in the earlier rounds. Uh, probably so. Yeah. Uh, but but let's let's think what that really means. That is that, you know, I mean, he was almost he, he was, was the first star yeah, of, of almost great. every game that he played. Sure. And so he comes off a little bit uh, from that level, mm-hmm. and you know, some of the leaks for Pittsburgh start to show now. Trevor Daly's not not healthy. Uh, you don't have Chris Letang. Fleury's come back a little bit off his play. It's pretty clear Crosby's doesn't feel great. Yep. Or you know, I mean, that's however you want to say that's that's really the reality of it over the last last game or so. Or you know, when he's back and he didn't didn't look great, and then he crashes into the boards. And um, you, if, if uh... Pittsburgh's going to win games. If Pittsburgh's going to win Game Seven, two players have to be the best players, and that's Malkin. And Flurry, they have to be. Um, yeah, Crosby coming back, pretty surprising. But a guy who's had concussion issues in the past and everything else, uh, I know it's the playoffs, Ray. But with all we know about concussions, I, I mean, I believe he felt good, and I believe he was cleared. Right? I don't think there was any sort of. Um, well, I I hundred percent believe that. Yeah. Okay. So percent believe right. that. So, but again, you're just not going to rebound, you know, into being uh, the player you used no. to be. Right. Right. But but what I don't get, Steve, this is what I don't get. So not only does Crosby have the Penguins doctors looking at him, mm-hmm. but he also has his own people. Yeah. Now, you know, you've got a guy here who is, you know, he, he's, he's uh, the type of person that will uncover every stone to help himself perform at the top of his, you know, the top level that he can. His rookie year, he was terrible at face-offs. He went and worked on face-offs all summer and then came back and he was a 50% face-off guy and he's been better than that his whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to get stronger. He went and got new trainers and he learned about training his body to be the best he can be. He's got access to progressive, um, smart doctors that are specialists in this field, in, in the concussion field. Yeah, the um... And so, you know, he was... He was obviously cleared. Yep. I mean, that's yep. that's not. I mean, that's not even for question. But dude, he the was, media, Ray, the media guys, going on and on about. Well, well, what, what do they know? I know. That's well, what, what I'm. The, I don't know. What is the media? What do the media guys know? They don't know anything, and <laughs> they can say, you know, they can they can talk to a doctor who says, oh, I, you know, yep. I wouldn't let my patient play. Well, that's fine, but this isn't your patient. It's like when they talk to a doctor for an NFL player that rips up his knee and the guy says, well, in most cases, this is what happens and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't know. They haven't, re- they haven't, I mean, they got more idea than me and you, Yeah. but they haven't, they haven't examined the, the athlete. Yeah. Nobody, none of these guys that are talking about Crosby have examined him. But the, the point that, that I want to make is that all this aside, he's got great doctors looking at him. He's got access to people that, uh, to evaluate him that that most don't have. I know he said the Penguins doctors looked at him at the end of the second period or at the end of the period, and I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I don't. I don't. He hit the boards with his head. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, now, now, Bill and and he hit hard. Now, Bill Daly, the uh, the deputy commissioner of the NHL, he was talking about you know their their research shows that the ice, not the boards, are predictive of a head injury. I don't know if any of these guys have run into the board, Steve. <laughs> but you, you really probably hurt. have. Have you run into the boards a few times? Yeah, I, not with my head, right. I, fortunately. <laughs> but they really hurt. Yeah. And and I watch Sid get up slowly. And if you watch, you know, he's kind of trudging to the bench. Mm-hmm. He's not really skating to the bench. Right. I'm just playing. I'm just an ex-hockey player. And I'm saying that's not how he skates. Yeah, he he was not he. Mm-hmm. In the day, we would have said, "Oh, yeah, I got my bell rang," right. or he would, "Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, um, yeah, I was out of it for a mm-hmm. little bit." It well, those things are, um, also known as terms for having a concussion. <laughs> we we've uh, seen I, some. Go- I don't oh. know that he does. Yeah, Look, I, I want to be one hundred percent clear. I would. He doesn't. I wouldn't think that he does have any further damage. But the point is, I thought it was dealt with poorly. I thought he should have been in a concussion room. I thought the spotter should have. Um, if the protocol is not written to allow the spotters to suggest that he should be in the concussion room after that collision, then it needs to be rewritten. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that. Like I, you've seen, I saw Freddie Anderson this year and a couple other guys barely get touched, and they, had, they were pulled off. And and you're like, really? Okay, all right. Like, whatever. Aaron is out of caution. I'm cool with that. Uh, but at the time, you're like, ah, I don't know. Like, really? Okay. And then you see that and nothing happens. And you just go, okay, all right. Um, well, yeah. the, see, to me, it's the, it's the worst scenario that you can have. And that's, you know, somebody, somebody comes back quickly. And then in the first game, thump. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. they get hit or they collide with somebody or they fall into the boards and Oh, man, you know, like it's it's a it's tough because you know it's not like he broke his arm, and you mm-hmm. can see that he broke his arm. Yeah. But as you said, to start this whole topic off, we we know, you know, the hockey world knows enough about it to be concerned. Whereas in the past, you know, he would be applauded for his courageousness. Yeah. Now there's just just concern. Can can we touch on the Niskanen cross check and and Ovechkin's cross check and Niskanen's? Uh, move on Crosby. Like, what did you? And it's kind of old news already. But what did you make of that? Did you see anything? Well, I mean, well, Ovechkin flash should have been a penalty. Yeah, you know, he's going to the net. He slashes him across the arm. And for those that say, yeah, that happens all the time. Well, then it should be a penalty all the time. Yeah, that's what you have a rule book for. That's that's a flash. It's he hit him with a stick across the arm. What what else could it be? And so then he clips his foot or he clips Crosby's heel with his foot, and that is completely unintentional. Mm-hmm. For everybody trying to break this film down, <laughs> like the Zabruder film, yeah. from the time Crosby gets slashed to the time Niskanen hits him is about less than a second, or just around a second. Mm-hmm. Any premeditation yeah, ain't theory is... is is fallacy. It, that, it's not that. It doesn't happen. Niskanen is going to cross-check him or push him or shove him into the net. Yep. And then he falls. And it's kind of right there. Yeah. I, I didn't think you it know, was suspension-related. People were calling for it. No, I thought yeah. the five minutes was plenty right. for me. Um, I I don't... The other thing I thought and I have, have said for quite a while is... You know the term the hockey play, mm-hmm. or not? You know whatever people yeah. think. From the second the puck hits the ice to start a game, till the horn goes at the end of the third period, everything in the middle is a hockey play. Might not be a good hockey play, mm-hmm. but it's a hockey play. What the hell else could it be, Steve? <laughs> Can't be a basketball play, right? It's not a walking down the street play. It's a hockey play. Can be a crappy one, but it's still a hockey play. So trying to defend it, oh, it's just a hockey play, to me is a ludicrous term. It means nothing. It's yeah. it's like 
It's like a garnish on the edge of a salad. It seems like the nothing. It seems like the rougher you played the game as an analyst, if you were a fighter or a chippy guy, the more that's more hockey players you see than those guys from those guys. Right. The opinion. Like right? The, yeah. the tough guys, they yeah. they see the game differently they, for sure. They do. Yes. And you know, there's also a there's still a sense that if you have fighters in the game, that the game is safer. Mm-hmm. But the play the people that work in player safety will tell you that. They spent eighty percent of their time dealing with five percent of the players. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, I, I don't, so I don't for a second believe that the game is safer. If, if Matt Niskanen, um, if that play happens, Crosby's still going to get hit the same way, because it's not like in that one second Niskanen's going to say, "Oh, but Pittsburgh has a tough guy on their bench, and I better not do it." Right doesn't happen that way. Um, so you you like the Caps to win Game 7 if uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, before, I do. Yeah, before tomorrow night. Um, yep, I, I do like them to win Game 7. Okay, so Oilers blow out the Ducks to force 7. And I was – some people might be like, oh, man, that's – you know, the, the blowout is going to affect Game 7. And then you look back and you remember that San Jose blew Edmonton out 7 nothing. Um same kind of situation, and Oilers went on to win. So I'm not so sure about the the margin of victory being anything at all. Every game is its separate entity, you know. But having said that, Ray, uh, this is another blown game six for Anaheim. This is another game seven at home that they've lost, I think, four or five in a row. And Randy Carlisle and Getzlaff and Perry and all these guys can say, like, oh, it doesn't matter. That's in the... It matters, doesn't it, Ray? A little bit, I think. I, you know, when it matters, huh. if they get a bad start, yep, then it matters because it's impossible not for everybody in the building to feel the weight, sure, of what's happened over the past. I know Carlisle has distanced himself from. You know, I wasn't here for any of those, <laughs> and and he wasn't, but um, he's well aware that if they get behind, it's you know, if they get behind two nothing. What do you think the feeling is going to be in that building? Oh, boy. It's going to be like, oh, yeah. my God, it's here again. Yep. And so there's a couple of things at play here for me. I'm with you. The the big win in game six. Big deal, right? You know, the score, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great for Edmonton. And, you know, halfway, you know, they're down 5 nothing in the, the duck after the first period. And mm-hmm. the Ducks have, have already started to park that game. It's finished. Yep. You know, you're not getting five back. <clears throat> So I, I think the real issue here for Anaheim is that they're not healthy. They're banged up. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to game five, when Anaheim had that miraculous comeback, yep. for 56 minutes, the Oilers outplayed them. Mm-hmm. And then Anaheim got three goals. For 60 minutes the next night, or two nights later, Edmonton outplayed them. That's 116 out of 120 minutes. Yep. Take away the overtime mm-hmm. that Edmonton outplayed Anaheim. That's a concern if you're an Anaheim fan. If you're if if I'm an Anaheim fan, that's what I'm concerned about. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And Oilers, uh Sekera's out, of course, for the for the rest of the series, but Clefbaum's back. And for game seven, Clefbaum should be back. That's a big I mean, they just won seven one with without him. And now he's back in. That's a huge, huge gap. It is. I mean, I, I, do you not do you not smell like things are happening the right way for Edmonton here? Like well, I do. I feel like I feel like I feel like Edmont or like Anaheim is hanging on a little bit here, and you know they they're missing. You know, like they've missed Eves. Mm-hmm. Um, they've used fifteen forwards in the playoffs. Yeah. They just called up. Uh, um, oh, I forget his name. He just came from Toronto. Or came uh, Sam Carrick. They called yeah. up Sam Carrick, who's been in the American League. Um, he he centered the fourth line at practice. Um, you know they're yeah. they're short and and Eves is so back. Looking at, yeah, Eves is out. You're looking at big minutes guy, big minute games for Kessler and Getzlaff and Perry and mm-hmm. uh, Raquel and Silverberg. Like those guys are going to have to play huge minutes, and maybe they can get away with it for one game. You know, maybe you can punch mm-hmm. through with it, but. Uh, there's no pressure really on on Edmonton here. Do you? Is there any doubt about starting Gibson? No, right? No. Yeah. 
no. put, put Gibson in. Right. He was weak in, in yeah. six, but yeah. Oh, he was not very good at all. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's the goalie. Yeah. You know, he's the guy now. So you're leaning towards Oilers. I am. Yeah. I, uh, I picked Anaheim in seven uh, before the season, or before the season, Six before series. the series, rather. Uh, but I am, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tilt Edmonton here. I just, too much seems like it's, it's in, if you're checking off boxes, too many seem to check off on the Edmonton side. I like what you just said about doesn't it seem like everything's going the order's way. And another reason why, Ray, you get seven goals and Connor McDavid doesn't get a point. And, and, um, Todd McClellan rigged up the lines a little bit, moved Drysidle off. Smart move, paying off, right? It, it really has. Now, Drysidle's a natural center. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a comfortable spot for him. Um, he had a fabulous year on the on the wing with McDavid, and so now they want to attack Anaheim and make Anaheim think more about Edmonton than when they're loaded up on the one line. And you know, McDavid hasn't you know Matt hasn't had a great series. And Drysaddle's had a fabulous series. He's driving his line like he's the guy making it move. Yep. And so McClellan made that that switch. And and like we talked about with uh, with Washington, you know, with moving yep. Ovechkin, coaches know what their options are. Coaches, you know, see these guys literally every day, and they have a pretty good feel for what can be a dangerous uh, lineup for them against other lineups and. McClellan felt obviously that he went as far as he could with uh, with Edmonton, and you know Edmonton aligned with McDavid and and Drysidle, and and uh, so when he split them apart, it's been it's been tough for Anaheim to handle, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day at Paul Pocky. I'm sure you riveted to it, but um, I said I, I hope might have been wandering around here. I said I hope the NHL replay. Uh, uh, center never has to determine anything in my life. Any any big decisions yes, I in my did life. See that. Uh, are you? How do they miss that call, Ray? In this miracle game five comeback for the Ducks, Kessler, yes, pushed in by Darnell Nurse. He's grabbing the leg of Talbot. How do you miss that? I mean, you know am, what? am they, I crazy? They can come out. They can come out with any. Um, any explanation they want, but I think the bigger story is the goalie interference, uh, goal replay area yep. is broken because <laughs> most it's, people it's should be able. To, it's just broken. Most people should right. be able to look at it and say, once you see the replay two or three times, and say, yes, it counts or no, it doesn't. But most of us will look at it. And then they'll still get split down the middle. Yeah, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. That so you could put more cameras in, sure, but then you've got more cameras telling you you don't know what you're watching. They need to redefine what is goalie interference and what isn't, because right now I don't think players, coaches, mm-hmm. managers, broadcasters, fans—I don't think anybody's got a clear definition of it. I don't understand how that goal is allowed to stand. I really yeah, don't. I, I, don't I, yeah, I, I don't know either. I get on the I get the call on the ice like goal, you know what I mean? I miss I get all like missing sure. that part. Sure, that happens, man, no doubt. But when you watch that camera angle, I don't get how you go, "Yep, no problem. He's going for a stick." Brian Kessler is, well, is trying to I pick mean, up his the, stick. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole call on the ice thing. I mean, those guys are there's a hell of a lot going on and mm-hmm. they're making the call in a split second, and that's why you have review to help confirm whatever their call is. But the the problem is they, you know, we watch it, and there's been at least three I can say in these playoffs where I've been certain we're going to be different than what the eventual call turned out to be. Now, not that I'm the only expert around here that I'm the only guy that has an opinion, but I think I have a general idea about what is or isn't. Yeah, and there's. And three times I was wrong. After, not live. I was wrong after watching the replay five times. Yeah. And you're really smart about hockey. So. Well, I, I don't know if I am or not. Or, but <laughs> well, the point is, like, I watch right. it. I think I know the rules. I right. think I understand. And I'm like, that's no goal. It's a goal. Mm-hmm. That's no goal. It's a goal. Oh, after a while, you know, <laughs> when I'm doing a game now, I will say, I'll be honest with you, I'm just guessing here. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's bizarre. Um, 
All right, so the Oilers, you like that? And uh, that's that's been a great series too, man. It's been really good. I've watched yeah, just about every yeah, game. Nasty and been, yeah, yeah, it's nasty good. and skill and. It, it has been good. Yep. Um, all right. Sens Rangers. So Senators can put the Rangers away in uh, in uh, in New York. No, it's in. I get that's this going series. back for Sorry. Game Seven. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I get this series mixed up because of the the points. Um, okay. I, I think it's going back for Game Seven. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I, um, here, here's the one thing I will say about Ottawa. You know, I I do a lot of Senators games during mm-hmm. the regular season, and I've really grown to appreciate their you know their pluckiness they just every time i think they're gonna they're dead they're finished they come back and they play well i agree and so you know when when i say you know i mean the other night it's they're down four three and the tying goal hits two rangers three rangers broussard shin pad and goes in the net you know and you're like wow that's a pretty damn good break they just got there. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I think they're going to have enough. Um, I think So I guess what I'm saying, or what I was going to say is, I think they're going to have enough to play a really good game, but I think they're going to have to win. If they do win, it will be in Ottawa. I think the Rangers will, will win game six. Yep, you do, huh? Um, all right, so we'll see what happens there. All right, let the World Championship, uh, that's why you're there, that's why you're in Paris, and uh, – Team Canada. I haven't watched the game, right? I got to be honest. I'm sorry, but um, that's all right. But I have. Uh, I have me. I have been following it. Canada, Russia are undefeated. Uh, USA lost to Germany, which is uh, amazing. And Nathan McKinnon is tearing it up. Uh, how do I? How did I do? No, you did all right. Okay. Now the, the German loss will start there for the people listening in the U.S. Um, you know, I, I. It's been pretty easy to be critical of the U.S. over the last couple of years. They haven't had a very good roster here, and. You know, you're like, why are these guys all saying no? This year they've got a they've got a really good team. They're young, they're fast. Um, they've got good goaltending with Jimmy Howard and Connor Hellebuck, and they did lose to Germany because Thomas Grice uh, from the New York Islanders mm-hmm. was a star. And it was, I would say, another factor was it was the tournament opener for the Germans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eighteen thousand people in the building in Cologne, and it it was rocking there, like it was. They they were pumped. So the U.S. loses the first game. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, they're they're going to be a factor in the tournament before it's over. Mm-hmm. The Russians are really young, incredibly young. Uh, they got three goalies, all of them under 22. Um, you know, the starter is um, is a goaltender from Tampa Bay, Andre Vasilevsky. Um, they've got two young kids that are already drafted and high in the NHL draft that are. You know they're they're, mm-hmm. they're second and third goalies, but they're just a young team this year. I and the Russians are always 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 unpredictable in tournament hockey. They are You're just right. when you think yeah. they're no good yeah. or they can't win. They kick it up three notches, and you're like, "Wow, they're pretty good." Or you think they're a powerhouse and can't lose, and they bomb. Yeah, and yeah. and then all of a sudden they <laughs> they drop a you know they mm-hmm. drop a game they should win, and you're like, "Oh, there they go again." So they're they're unpredictable, but I don't. You know, Nate McKinnon's had two really good games the last couple. Um, for Canada, he's got five goals, but they've been against, you know, Belarus and yeah. Slovenia, so I'd temper that a little bit. But he looks like he's having some fun. He looks like he's having some enjoyment after a year that's not been so much fun for them in Colorado. When are you going to get down into the Dragger Cafe for an interview? I never get invited. Okay. All right. I wonder why. No, he's uh, he just goes to the big hitters. He had Babcock there today, yeah. and yeah, you know, you know what? get some I... Team Canada guys. I think tomorrow is uh, Rene Fassel from the, you know, the the president of the IIHF. So who came out and said that the Olympic participation by the NHL is still on board? I saw that. Well, NHL said you know, nope. he says yes. Yeah. Batman says no. Um, Wake me up when it when it happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I would say it's you know it's certainly. Yeah. More, way more to the no side than the yes side. But my thought is, what happens if the IIHF just lays an absolute sweetheart of a deal mm-hmm. at the NHL's feet now? Are they still going to say no? Have they already decided, like, no matter what they offer, it's no? What if they, at the end of the season, if Fassell calls up Batman and says, hey, Gary, I'll, give, I'll let you... Um, yeah. 
I'll let you use the uh, the video rights. I'll the mm-hmm. you know you can bring your main sponsors, like something like that. Right. Is he still going to say no? I I mean I don't know. Yeah. It seems dead. Um, you know, Fassell and Bettman are both really good at not saying much. Yep. While they're talking, so. I, you know, that's what he said today. I don't, you know, I don't put too much stock. Yeah, in it, but, I feel like when, um, it, when it comes to the Olympics, when it comes to work stoppages, when it comes to Arizona uh, Coyotes, uh, anything the NHL says, I don't really care. Like whatever, guys, say whatever you want. I don't even know what, like what's true, what's not. Just, just let me know yeah. when you're finished kicking the ball around the field. <laughs> I'm always like, okay, yeah, whatever, great. That's the hill you're gonna die on, Bill. I got it. All right, Arizona's never been better. Got it. You know what I mean? We're not going to the Olympics. Got it. Like whatever. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, I think I think there's such a fatigue for um, for most people that they just like I, I don't even. It's not that you don't care. You're like, yeah, I just don't have I don't have the requisite. You know what's to give. I you said that about the the, the coyote situation on the pod maybe um, two months ago, three months ago. I asked you about it, and you said. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, just tell me what's going on when it ever happens. So, I, yeah, I get it. because yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, why should I care? And then <laughs> it's going to go up and down six more times. Right. Just let me know. Um, I didn't. I put you on. I'm putting you on the spot here. I didn't bring this up beforehand, but I thought this would be a fun game to play because it always happens at the, at the. Um, What's the Christmas time tournament? Um, it's slipping my mind. The right Spangler. Now. Spangler always happens at the Spangler yep. Cup or the World Championships. The random NHLer that you didn't know still is, is still playing. Have you run into anybody okay. like that at the World Championships? A random NHLer that you had no idea he was still playing professional hockey. Uh, I wouldn't say to that level. Okay, you know, like oh my God, that guy's still playing, but. You know, like when I see Belarus and see the Kostitsyn brothers still going at it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, Sergey and Andre still going. <laughs> still around. You know, right. you know, like they're and, – and, but the guys, that, the guys that I see that would be like that, they're not NHL guys. Okay. Well, actually, you know what? I'll give you one. Okay. Is, uh, is Chris Ball UA. He's, he's still playing? Oh, he's the goalie for France. He's 41. I did not know this. This is news. Well, there for you me. go. There we go. See, that is perfect. We, that is perfect. Right. Actually, I could give you one more too, <laughs> if you remember. Forty-one. So, hang, forty-one. He's forty-one. <laughs> he looks like he's about twenty-eight still. I don't think. He, now I don't. I don't. He doesn't look too stressed. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. But you know, he's still their number one goalie. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, won a Stanley Cup with Chicago in twenty ten. And sure. Yeah. You're like, oh, he's still, you know, still going at it. <laughs> um, now the. The the French, their best offensive player, he played in Ottawa, is Stefan DaCosta. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I don't know if you know him or not or if people remember him. But I remember the name, yeah. Stefan was, a, you know, he played, oh, I don't know how many games he played. He was mm, probably about 50 or so with, with Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And he's been over in the KHL, and you see him, you're like, oh, yeah. still playing. <laughs> what, it, what is cool about this tournament what you end up realizing when you do the tournament a few times, as I have, is that there are many ways that people can make a living playing hockey. You know, sure, they all want to play in the NHL. Everybody does. Yep. Um, the, even the, guy, like, the guys now that play in Europe, they, of course, have more access through the Internet and TV and stuff to, to watch games of the NHL that they never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, um, you know, they re- there's a reality to not getting there or whatever, but they dream yeah. of playing in the NHL. So it doesn't work. Well, there's leagues in, in Germany and Switzerland yeah. and France and um, uh, the KHL. And then there's a league in Belarus and there's like six or seven leagues to build a life playing hockey. And it's a pretty good gig. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh... you know, so there's, there's guys, there's guys playing in play, play in Switzerland for 15 years. No, there's worse places to live in, than in Switzerland. Yeah, but your buddies at uh, Overdrive just had Carlo Coliacolo, Carlo Coliacolo on playing in Germany, and he's playing. He's pl- yep. playing in Germany, right? Yep, playing in Germany. So, um, and like you said, a lot of these guys uh, make pretty good money. They have apartments given to them, cars given to them, so they're taking home yep. a lot of money. And the euro is worth more than the uh, American and Canadian dollar right now. So you're killing it, and for and for probably a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's a really good it's a really good deal, and it's 
um, for the guys that are able to carve out a life, you know, they basically carve out a life over here. I know, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, his name's Mike Zanier. Uh, he's from Trail, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the third goalie with the Oilers uh, when they won the Stanley Cup. And um, then he went to Europe and played. Played in Europe for 10 or 12 years. Uh, finished his career in Sweden. Um, met a girl, married her. They've got two kids. He's lived in Sweden for 25 years. Oh, wow. Huh. You know, he speaks Swedish. That was although good. his kids make fun of him because they're not real sure that it's good Swedish. <laughs> but... You know, he's, yeah. he's built a life over there, sure. and it's all through the game of hockey. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you could have gone there, Ray, after the St. Louis, maybe gone. And... No, I was 38. <laughs> I had no interest in playing anymore. <laughs> you were done. Um, so if, if, they had, if they had a league in Spain, I might have done that. But <laughs> yeah. um, Just chirping people in, in English in Spain. <laughs> no, no, just kind of hanging out, and then, oh, yeah, we got a game today. I'll yeah. play that. Uh, so we didn't touch on Nashville. Nashville beating St. Louis, so... They've lost two games all playoffs. Again, you told us on the show uh, a couple shows back now, um, watch these guys, pay attention. You did the Nashville-Chicago series, some of the games, and I think we're all starting to pay attention now. Well, they have just about everything that you would like um, to have in a, in a team. They've got a, a true number one line. That's Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvidsson. Uh, Arvidsson and Forsberg were both over 30 goals this year, and Johansson's a you know a big prototypical number one center. They've got an incredibly mobile and deep defense. Um, you know their their top pair is Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi, who is as underrated a star as there is in the game. Their second pair is Matthias Ekholm and PK Subban. They all four of those guys play about 21 or 22 minutes. They can skate. They can move the puck. They can, you know, they're the uh, second highest scoring defense in the league during the regular season, which of course is kind of cheating because San Jose had Brett Burns and 28 goals, mm-hmm. but they were second highest scoring defense in the league. And then they've got an excellent goaltender in Pekka Rinne. Um, I think they're going to be a real tough out um, forever for whoever gets through to the Western Conference Final. Yep. And it is a cool place. It's a cool city. They've built a really great environment there. Um, it's been a long time for them, and uh, it's really neat to see that um, you know the perseverance of David Poyle and his staff um, just kind of plugging ahead, making some really big moves. They traded Seth Jones for Johansson two years ago. This past year, they traded Weber for Subban. Those are yeah. those are gutsy moves to make. Oh yeah. And here they are in the Western Conference Final. Ah, Sens Predators Cup Final should make everyone in New York really happy. Oh yeah, I'm sure that would you know the league can say whatever they want about you know they all want they want everybody you know they they yeah. like all of their teams and of mm-hmm. course they do I mean you know yeah. let's be honest they do but there are numbers that are that tell you and they're pretty easy to see that you know the the bigger the city the bigger the market the bigger the numbers the bigger the advertisers the more money that's made yep absolutely all right, Ray, time for the random NHLer segment that we have uh, need to bring back, according to some Twitter followers, and I enjoy it. Okay. And you've always given us some, some, gold, some gold whenever I bring it up, and this is not, I did not tell you this guy's name beforehand, but now I need to know Ray's random thoughts on a random NHLer. Bernie Pumpernickels. Bernie Nichols. Um, what do you got? Bernie had, a, Bernie had a style to him when he was scoring 70 goals. Mm-hmm. Like there was a style to to Nichols that, you know, he, I don't know, he put himself out there. He's a great quote. He was, you know, had the long blonde hair and, you know, he was the big dog in, in LA and then Gretzky ended up there. Yep. And then they, you know, it was like, can these two guys work together somehow? But he got 70 goals. Mm-hmm. So I'd say the answer is yes. But what I remember about Bernie is seeing a, is seeing a picture of him in this full length mink <laughs> coat going to, <laughs> Going to a game somewhere, and I'm like, who the? Heck? I mean, he might have been when he was with the Rangers. I'm yep. like, who the hell wears that? But there was just for him, it was I don't know, there was style and flash and flair. And I didn't play against him a lot. Mm-hmm. He liked to talk on the ice. He did, yeah. He talked a yeah. lot right. on the ice, which you know drove some people crazy. But right. um, he talked to everybody. How about he got traded? I believe from LA to the Rangers at the All Star game. 
but yet still yes. played for the Campbell Conference or something like that? Or maybe did he switch to the Wales? goofy like that, right. but it was during the All-Star weekend that he was traded for sure. Yeah. And people are like, what, what, what side are you going to play for or whatever? And I remember there was a bit of a talk about that. Yeah, and he's, I'm sure, you know, he's like, eh, whatever, just give me the jersey, I'll yeah. go play. And, um, and, get, and it's not like he went from, it's not like he went from Los Angeles to Topeka. Mm-hmm. He went from L.A. to yeah. New York City, so with, with the he mink, was just fine. With the mink coat. Um, yes. And also, too, people think, oh, he was just great because of Gretzky. No, he was a good player. Uh, before Gretzky, oh, after Bernie Gretzky. Oh, good player. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are like, you know, the people think it might be like a bit of a Warren Young thing who got 44, I think, or 42 with, with yeah, Mario. No, 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 right. no. Not even, not even close. Uh, no, not even close. I mean, that, that would be, um, that doesn't do Bernie Nichols' career justice. No, for no sure. absolutely. All right. Question from Mac Vincent, Paul Pocky podcast with the great Ray Ferraro. Um, all right. Hey, guys, I was curious to hear. Your take on Owen Tippett, the talented goal scorer playing for the Steelheads, with goal star to come by for many teams. Is there a chance he goes much higher than originally and expected in the 2017 draft? Thanks. Love the show. Uh, looking at uh, the Hockey News prospects, Owen Tippett is a, is like a top 10 guy. Uh, but what do you think, Ray? Oh, tough for me to comment on the, on the young kids because I haven't seen them a lot. I've seen mm-hmm. seen guys you know here or there. I mean, it's not it's not really what what I do, you know, as far as focusing in, there's only so many games I can watch and be at during a year. So I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be able to com, you know, to, to comment on where Owen Tippett might go. The, the thing is here, yes, goals are starved, but players are ranked where they are on the basis of um, their total game and what their game adaptability might be to the mm-hmm. NHL. And so if he's ranked 10th, then that means, yeah, it's, and and it's tenth consistently. Then other people think there's nine guys that have a better NHL package than him. And I don't think that's a negative in any way because mm-hmm. lots of guys get drafted lower. You know, they get drafted in a lower spot spot, and then they have, you know, they have very productive superstar careers. I mean, you're not, there's only one guy going to go number one. There's only one guy going to go number five. Yeah. So if he gets picked tenth, he should be thrilled and go to that team and try and be the best player he can be for there. It is funny. He's he's Dave's kid, right? Correct? No. He's not? Oh, I thought he was. Okay. All right, never mind. Um, nope, nope, not at all. I, I thought he was because we've seen so many kids uh, coming through, and then I was going to make the yeah, comment. Yeah, no, that, he's, he's not. Um, okay. Nope. No, that's not Tip's kid. I was going to say he's such a goal scorer, and Dave Tippett, just a grinder, checker, you know? Yeah, well, so. um, Tip was one of our guys in Hartford, and yeah, yeah. he was a penalty killer and a yeah, Dave was Dave was a checker for us. He was an excellent penalty killer, and um, you know was on our fourth line, but was a kind of a glue guy. But he was was not going to score a great deal, that's for sure. No doubt. Well, Ray, uh, thank you for doing another edition of this podcast. Thank you for uh, people for listening. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait till tomorrow. I'm just going to hunker in. Game start at four Pacific, and I'm booked. I'm in two game sevens. Love it. Can't wait. Um, so four four Pacific is midnight, two in the morning. Here. No, yeah. yeah, no, one in the morning here, right? Yeah, one. Yep, one. Nine hours. One. So <laughs> yeah, I'll probably catch the first period of the first one and the last two periods of the last one. Some kind of goofy like that. Are you able to get it on TV anywhere? Like, or are you just doing it uh, via the the, the app? Uh, uh, just on just on my uh, yeah, just on my computer. Yeah, I didn't know maybe if the folks at TSN would be able to pull it up or somehow or I don't know how that goes. Maybe you guys had some. Uh, you know what? I haven't asked. Maybe they have. I, yeah. You know. <laughs> That would be an extra question. I've not asked that yet. <laughs> Go to the Dreger Cafe. See what's playing there. I'll see what's going on there. Yeah. Who, who's bugging you more, Miller or Dreger? Who, who's who's been more getting on uh, your nerves more? No, Dregs, Dregs is just Dregs is just a donkey. So he's <laughs> he's amusing. Gord has to. Gord had to today. I can't say Gord's bugging me because Gord rented the car, uh-huh. drove the car to Normandy, <laughs> let you sleep, I took a nap. <laughs> I took a nap each way. It was a great trip. So nobody's bugging me yet. The yeah. Cigarette smoke is bugging me. Oh, it's bad, huh? It's so bad. Um, Apparently, they haven't got the haven't seen the Surgeon General's messages or anything. The press box at the Omni Sports with the grass on the side. It must be redone from when I was there. Has to be. Now, our our um, we're not in it. Oh, so they put up. 
they put uh, there's I don't know six or seven different um, broadcasters from yeah you know different countries and radio broadcasters and so they set up a temporary broadcast compound at Center Ice on the we're actually across from the press box we're in the stands it's okay. pretty awesome actually yeah because yeah, the press box was about eight feet long when I was there and I can't imagine everyone jamming. yeah I know I'm, <laughs> uh, the whole rink's been redone it's it's really nice right okay good well thanks for doing this Ray all the way from Paris really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do too you got to go to bed now and uh, yeah yes. have, have fun calling the world championships and uh, we'll try to touch base next week and uh, see what's happening in the playoffs over here and uh, thanks man appreciate it you betcha, Steve. We'll talk to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll get at you again next week.